In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. Coming up later on in the show, we have Richard Sims weighing in on the pros and cons of booking one of the first cruise ships back whenever that does start again. And as always, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So if you want to sail two U.S.-based cruise lines, you're going to have to roll up your sleeve, huh? It looks that way. So two U.S.-based cruise lines announced a COVID-19 vaccine requirement for all passengers and crew. And this is for American Queen Steamboat Company and Victory Cruise Lines. Uh, They're both under the same corporate umbrella, by the way, and they will require vaccinations beginning with the first sailing that is scheduled for July 1st. The two cruise lines vaccination requirement extends beyond passengers and covers the crew as well. Non-shipboard, this is interesting, non-shipboard employees from both cruise lines will also have to have the vaccine. So that would cover back office workers as well. Also, mandatory pre-cruise testing and screening for all guests and crew will be required. So To do that, they're going to have guests arrive one day before embarkation in order to have a COVID-19 test, as well as to complete a health questionnaire. A couple of questions here. Where are they hiding all these vaccines? (laughs) Because if they're going to be doing this. And secondly, I guess it does make sense because if you, I know you have, sailed a river cruise in the U.S., it's like an 80-plus crowd. So chances are this demographic is going to be vaccinated first anyway. Well, wait, wait a minute, 80-plus? I'm not, I'm not there yet. But well, yeah, hey, but, I sailed them twice, too, so I have, I'm, okay. I'm right there with you. All righty. But, yeah, so it is a more at-risk clientele for these two cruise lines, that's for sure. And um, apparently, from what I was reading, the CDC expects that they will include transportation workers as essential, mm-hmm. and then they will be included in the Phase 1 vaccine rollout. All right. Carnival breaks ground on a new cruise terminal. Yes, they did. Carnival Cruise Line broke ground for their new terminal that will home port their newest ship, Carnival Celebration. The groundbreaking ceremony was held last week at Port Miami over at Terminal F. And to celebrate the event, special ceremonial shovels dug in and scattered bits of dirt. And that signifies the beginning of a new project. Carnival Celebration is currently under construction over in Finland and will be a sister ship to Mardi Gras. When the new terminal is completed, it will be just under 500,000 square feet and the third cruise terminal for Carnival at Port Miami. It was weird, Cherry. I was down there for the groundbreaking event. First off, Mm -hmm. you know when they dig the shovel in the dirt and they kind of sling the dirt? Uh I didn't realize that they do that like 10 different times for all these different photo ops. Like all of these years, I thought it was just one swift dig toss. Uh-uh. All right. Now let's do it from this angle. Let's do it from this angle. All right. Let's get an aerial shot. A lot of uh, a lot happening there. But when I was coming down Biscayne Boulevard and about to make that turn to go into the tunnel, Celebrity Equinox was turning in the basin there. And Norwegian Jim was docked. MSC Maravilla was docked. And so was Carnival Dream. And I had an emotional moment. Like it was it was a year since I've been down there since I've even seen like any cruise ships like up close and personal. And uh, 
Yeah, it hit me for the first time, this whole shutdown, seeing those cruise ships and like just sitting there and knowing that we can't get on them quite yet. It was, uh, it was impactful. Yeah, I keep planning to drive just a few minutes over to Port Canaveral when I do see that there are some ships hovering about, but I still haven't done that. I just don't, I don't know. It, it, I know it's going to be a really weird feeling and I, I'm putting it off. Yeah. So Norwegian Cruise Line sends crew members back home for a little while. Right. So according to an article on the Crew Center website, Norwegian Cruise Line decided to repatriate all non-essential crew members. And recently, thousands of crew members were brought back and stationed aboard Norwegian ships because the cruise line had hopes of starting to cruise again. And this, these would be the first crew members back on board. And they would, you know, that was, that was kind of an excitement for them to be the first crew back to welcome new passengers. But with the latest round of cancellations that extends now until at least May, the cruise line realized they didn't need the new crew. So only those deemed necessary to keep the ships running will remain on board. Norwegian Joy and Norwegian Encore will gather up the non-essential crew and bring them home to either Indonesia, India, or the Philippines. And the cruise line expects to have everyone home by late March or into the beginning of April. And MSC Cruises has taken delivery of a new ship. Yeah, so earlier this week, MSC Cruises took delivery of its newest ship, the MSC Virtuosa. The traditional transfer ceremony took place over at the shipyard in France. And during the event, this is basically when the shipyard hands over the keys to the ship, MSC Virtuosa was given its official flag along with blessings for good fortune. The ship is scheduled to begin cruising this spring with the first sailing on April 16th. And after four Mediterranean cruises, the ship will relocate to its new home port of Kell, Germany for Northern European cruises this summer. Interestingly enough, MSC Virtuosa is the first cruise ship in the world to receive an award for the ship's ability to mitigate and manage infectious disease risk for passengers. And if you want to bet on the big game, you can now do so or you will be able to do so on a cruise ship. That's right. So Princess Cruises just introduced its new Ocean Sportsbook. This is a real-time sports wagering platform, and it's available on board any of its medallion-class ships. So once the ship enters international waters, by using this new app, guests can use their smartphones or tablets and wager on major sports events from around the world. Ships in medallion class, just in case someone's wondering what this is all about, It offers guests a small wearable gadget called the Ocean Medallion, and through this, it can connect with your smartphone and gives people the ability to order food and drinks anywhere on the ship, and then they can have it delivered to wherever they are. And it also allows for touch-free boarding, and it acts as a GPS locator so passengers can track down their travel companions anywhere on the ship. Boy, if this isn't an excuse to this whole world situation we're in to make cell phone gambling a little more prevalent on board, huh? Well, it's another revenue stream. I'm yeah. sure somebody's getting a cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. I just, I don't know. You're talking about onboard gaming on your cell phone. There's nothing that really, like, you can, yeah, you can be in bed and play the virtual slot machine or whatever, but what fun is that? Like, losing money laying in bed. I'd rather have to make myself get dressed or put some slippers on and walk to the casino and lose some money, you know? Well, that's for sure. Maybe if you're lucky enough, you'll win. And some good news, if you're really missing Freeport or Grand Bahama Island and you want to go for a couple of days, well, you now can. Yeah, so this is nice to hear. Some good news. The government of the Bahamas has approved the resumption of the fast ferry service that links Fort Lauderdale with Freeport in the Bahamas. 
The scheduled date for restart is February 11th. The fast ferry, Valiaria Caribbean, was forced to suspend service last summer, of course, due to COVID-19. The crossing itself takes about two and a half hours. Before that happened, it was running five times a week. But now when the 500-passenger fast ferry starts up, it will offer once-a-week service back and forth between the two ports, and it will depart on Thursdays. The ferry company hopes to add an additional day shortly afterwards. So yeah, two and a half hours on a fast ferry or 36 hours on a cruise ship. It's like, what, 40 miles off the coast? Yep, you can swim there. Yeah, (laughs) people do, yeah. Yeah, they do, they have. Listener question comes from Scott, and before we tackle Scott's question, I just want to preface it by saying we don't know the exact answer to the whole mask mandate thing or the vaccine thing, except what we are told by the cruise lines. And with that said, Sherry, this one's from Scott. Will the CDC still have jurisdiction to enforce the mask mandate when ships sail in international waters? Well, I'll repeat what you said is that we don't know any more than really what the general public knows about how this could be enforced. But if you read carefully, and you don't have to read between the lines for this, basically it states that if a ship departs from the USA and if it's public transportation and returns to port, then it falls under the CDC guidance. So based on that, you can deduce the conclusion, however you think would be correct. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Scott, thanks for the question. And again, this is all so new to everybody. But we'll see what happens. I do want to add, Sherry, I I have sent some uh, inquiries out to the different cruise lines, and no one has denied this. So again, reading between the lines, they haven't said a hard yes or a hard no, but they have not come out and said no. So we're going to see where that takes us. Correct. All right. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Sherry, have a good weekend and talk to you next week. See you, Doug. You have questions. We have answers. Get the whole story on CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Go beyond the headlines with in-depth industry coverage at cruiseradio.net. Earlier this week, a major snowstorm hit large parts of the country, not here in Florida, but uh, everywhere else, which no doubt had a lot of people wishing they could be on a cruise to the Caribbean. Now, under normal circumstances, wave season, I guess it really still is, is January, February, and March. It's when the snow is falling and people just want to book a cruise. But this wave season, a lot of people are pushing pause on their cruise plans and trying to figure out, you know, when exactly cruise ships are going to return and if they'll feel comfortable even sailing. Joining me to talk about the pros and cons of booking some of the first ships back is staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So if we knew that ships were sailing on, say, May 1st and someone asked if they should book it, what would you tell them that the biggest pro and biggest cons were? 
Well, the pro, obviously, is you would be on a ship finally. I think we can all agree that that is the thing we want. (laughs) Us cruise fans want that more than anything right now, especially sitting here looking at, you know, three feet of snow. So that's definitely the biggest pro. The con is sort of that absolutely every aspect of those first cruises is probably going to be a little chaotic. Everything from getting on the ship to mealtime to, you know, just everything you can think of is going to be a little bit different and in some cases a lot different. So, you know, they won't have had a chance to work out any of the kinks yet. And, you know, if you've ever done a shakedown cruise, and that's far different than what we're going to be experiencing here, shakedown cruises can be a little bit, you know, like I said, they can be a little chaotic because you've got the staff that's newly trained on protocols. You've got, you know, all the different things that are changing about cruising and they won't have really figured it out yet. So, you know, you have to go into it really being prepared for that. Let me ask you, because I get this email a lot and it's people saying that they're going on their first cruise and should they go in 2021? I'm kind of like, well, you know, if you have an expectation of what cruising was like prior to 2020, you might be disappointed, at least if you probably sail in 21. Do you think I'm wrong by saying that? No, I think you're completely right. I would not want my first cruise to be sort of under the circumstances that we're going on now because, you know, there are certain things that you expect, like you said, of a cruise. Like, for example, I remember my very first cruise. I was so excited when I got to Florida and I was like, okay, I'm going to go over to Disney for the day and I'm going to hang out and I'm going to meet friends and have lunch. And, you know, that's not something you'll be able to do right now because they'll have very limited shore excursions and the ones they do have, you'll be basically kept in your little bubble with your group. And that same philosophy, if you will, is going to sort of apply all across every aspect of the cruise. So yeah, I don't think I would want my first cruise under these circumstances. I think that these initial cruises and, you know, probably the first couple months of cruising is really going to be more for people like you and I who, you know, we've done a million cruises. I mean, for me, I don't really care where the ship is going. I don't care what happens when we get there. I just want to be on a ship. I think the people who can go into it and have sort of an idea of what to expect and a knowledge of what's going on, who've really done their research and know, you know, what's going to be different about this than their past cruises. I think that's the people who I would really point in the direction of an early cruise. Is there a good reason to book a cruise for, say, June, despite the fact that we don't even know whether the ships will sail? Absolutely. I mean, I'm a big believer in having something to look forward to. I have a cruise right now booked for December of this year. I have one booked for, I think, March of next year. I have one booked for, you know, I have cruises that are like 400, 500, 600 days out. And I think about them all the time. You know, I might go on and like do a little research about where it's going. So especially right now when you can't go anywhere or do anything, having something like that to look forward to is, you know, just such a a kind of a blessing, honestly. The one thing I would be aware of, especially if you're booking something for like, you know, let's say let's we sort of operate right now in the theory that they'll be back in May because that's the current date. But, you know, 
there's a good chance that's not true. It might be June, might be July. But let's say you go ahead and you decide to book something for June or July or May. The thing you really want to make sure you know is what the cancellation policies are. And not only the policies as far as if they decide to cancel the cruise, but the policy of exactly when you can back out. Like, you know, you might decide, let's say you're cruising in July, you might decide in June, you know what, I just, I'm not comfortable with it yet. I want to, you know, let the world get a little more back to normal. I want cruising to get a little more back to normal. You want to make sure when you book that you know exactly when you have to cancel in order to avoid fees. And that's, you know, kind of something you want to do a little research for because right now that changes a lot. A lot of the cruise lines are being very flexible about that and saying, you know, if you aren't feeling comfortable two weeks before, we'll let you move your cruise forward a year or we'll, you know, we'll let you cancel without penalties. So really, 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 and I think this is true all the time, but especially now, make sure you're aware of the cancellation policies. Okay, and playing devil's advocate here, is there a good reason not to book that same cruise? Definitely. I mean, the reason would be it might not sail. You know, like we said, there's a good chance that a June cruise won't sail in June. And, you know, if you're like me, I've had four cruises, I think, canceled so far. Mm -hmm. So when I went to book my latest cruise, I said, you know what? I'm going to look really ahead. I'm going to look to December. And I'm going to assume, God forbid, we're not sailing by then. I'm going to book December and look forward to that one. Now, if things get to the point where, you know, we're able to sail before that and I feel comfortable with it, I'll book something new. But, you know, you do want to sort of not necessarily put yourself in a situation where if you've had three or four cruises canceled, you're going to get that emotional blow of having another canceled. And that's really important because, you know, it is a blow every single time a cruise is canceled, especially if you happen to be a big cruise fan who hasn't gotten on a ship in a year and you're really looking forward to it and you're like, oh, there went that one. There went that one. It's like dominoes and it can sort of become very overwhelming after a while. So, you know, that's that's definitely a reason. The other reason to be a little bit wary is that, you know, it can sometimes be difficult if that cruise is canceled to get a refund. This is especially true if you're looking to get a cash refund. Future cruise credits are a lot easier. You know, they just kind of automatically get applied to your account and you can use them within the timeline. But over the last year, and it's hard to believe we're talking about something that's been going on for a year, but we've heard a lot of stories about how some cruise lines are having a little bit of difficulty keeping up with the refunds. So if you don't want to get caught up in that, then I wouldn't necessarily book something that is sailing in the immediate future if you think there's even a, you know, even a 50-50 chance of it being canceled. So while we still don't know when the ships are going to sail, like we don't have a final, you know, uh, a date in stone, we did get word this past week that the CDC is requiring people to wear a mask on the cruise ship. Now, Sherry talked about this briefly at the top of the hour, but should that play into people's decision about whether or not to book? 100%. 100%. You know, the hope is that maybe as we, you know, get more and more of the country vaccinated, there's always the possibility that ships will say, and I'm honestly, I'm all in favor of this. I know it's a little controversial, but I'm very in favor of them saying you have to, you know, prove that you have been vaccinated in order to get on the ship. And maybe under those circumstances, they'll be able to loosen the rules where mask wearing is concerned. But right now, yes, the fact that you will have to wear a mask is something you should take into consideration because not everybody is comfortable with it. You know, there's a big difference between putting on a mask and going to the grocery store for 15 minutes, as opposed to, you know, being on vacation and every time you are in a public space, 
needing to wear a mask. Yes, there will be exceptions for like when you're eating and who knows how they'll handle things like, you know, bars, but it's a really big thing. And you don't want to be that person who, you know, thinks that they can get on the ship and sort of half asset. And, you know, maybe I'll keep it in my pocket. And if they tell me to put it on, I'll put it on. It's, they're going to be really strict about it. And if that is something that's going to be a problem for you, then 100% wait until the mandate has been lifted. You mentioned it a few weeks back when you were on about, you know, you'd hate to be the person that has to enforce that because uh, chances are there's going to be a little bit of pushback. Oh, definitely. I mean, the people that I really see it being a problem with, to be honest, are the people who have had a little too much to drink and don't want to put their mask on. And, you know, and we see so often how security or bartenders or various crew members have to deal with people when they're intoxicated. Imagine having to deal with some, you know, big guy who's like, I'm not wearing my mask. It's okay. And I've had too much to drink. That's going to be a nightmare. So yeah, just if you're going to have any problem with that, or if your spouse is or anybody in your travel party, just avoid it for right now. Imagine having to be the person or the team to rewrite the SOP. I mean, I've seen Carnival's SOP for shipboard operations, and it's like war and peace. I mean, imagine having to go by line by line and redoing basically the whole operating procedures. And that's the thing. Everything is changing. You know, like we talk about it all the time. We talk about the big stuff. We talk about the fact that, you know, the buffet is going to change or, you know, the embarkation process is going to change. But it really is going to impact absolutely every aspect of the cruise. And that's, you know, why I say if you're looking to return to something that is very close to what you experienced before, then this is not the time to do it. You know, just back away. All right. Well, let's wrap it here. Looking ahead, what's the single biggest reason to put off booking until 2022? And what's the biggest drawback? Well, the drawback is obviously it's going to be a long time before cruise. Like if you're not booking until 2022 or even 2023, because the cruise lines have really opened up their booking window. You know, there are cruises all the way through 2023 if you look hard enough because, you know, they want to. For one thing, they need to get money coming in and they know that people might not be comfortable with booking something right now. So they're they're doing everything in their power to sort of open up the booking window as far as possible in order to get people to book and have some money coming in. So the con is definitely that you will not be on a ship for a long time. The pro, however, is that the longer you wait, the closer it's going to be to the experience that you actually, you know, remember as being cruising. The other real positive thing about it is that along with it being closer to what you remember. It's also, there's going to be, there's going to be less chance that things change. For example, right now, one of the things that we don't talk about a lot, or at least we don't hear the cruise lines talking about a lot, you and I talk about it, but they have to negotiate all the different standards and procedures that they're going to deal with when they arrive in a port. And so that means you might book a cruise today that's, let's say, going to go to St. Thomas and Nassau and, you know, somewhere else, Bonaire. But when you get on that ship, between the time you book it and the time you get on it, and even while you're on it, where you go could change because they might have some kind of outbreak or they might decide, you know, no, we're not going to accept cruise ships this week. We've seen it happen over and over again during the final few months before the shutdown. So the longer you wait to book something and the more back to normal we are, the less chance there will be that things get screwed up, you know, 
with regard to what you want that cruise to be. So, you know, at the end of the day, the longer you wait, the more it's going to be what you expect of a cruise. A few minutes ago, you said you had like three feet of snow outside your window. How bad did it get up there? It's pretty bad. I'm looking out right now. Let's put it this way. I wanted to take the recycling out this morning, Mm -hmm. and I had to dig a trail to the recycling can. And by the time I got there, because there's so much snow, the recycling truck had already gone by. So there's we have about two and a half, three feet of snow. It's not fun. I know you're a ski bunny and you're all like snow is beautiful. But (laughs) when you have to get up every morning and shovel it, it's a lot less beautiful. Well, you're out there like just outside of Manhattan. You don't get like a crazy amount of snow a year, do you? It depends on the year. Last year, we got almost nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this will probably be our one big snow. We don't get a lot of them, but when it hits every now and then, we get, you know, a pretty good one. And of course, it's our own fault that we got this snow because my household just last week sent our snowblower to be repaired. And so as soon as it went into the shop, they immediately announced (laughs) that there was going to be a snowstorm. So I blame us. (laughs) I guess if ships were sailing right now, I'd be curious to see how that would impact embarkation and, you know, you know, getting snow on a cruise ship and heading down to the Caribbean and seeing it melting. I've done that. I've really? sailed out of Manhattan in like, you know, a snowstorm and it is the coolest thing. The first day, everybody is inside. And then by the second day, it's still a little cold out because, you know, you're still making your way down toward the warmer weather. And so it's a little bit cold out, but people are like, screw it, I'm on a cruise. And they're like in the pool. They don't care how cold it is. The thing that really gets screwed up by this season's snow is that normally what happens is when you get this much snow, everybody starts thinking about cruising and they start calling to book cruises. And that's why wave season, it's not a coincidence that wave season is during the winter when everybody Mm -hmm. is trapped inside by the snow. So you know, we're not going to see that kind of wave season this year. There are probably more people booking, but not nearly at the levels they would be booking because they're all sitting inside looking at the snow. All right. Staff writer Richard Stims, uh, good luck up there, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again. Anytime. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.